you for downloading the YSF podcast, the podcast brought to you by Yorkshire Sport Foundation. It is a primary P episode and we are talking to Academy at St. James in Bradford, who are the first school to be awarded our new Centre of Excellence for Physical Activity status. Now, some of you may recall that we have had a Centre of Excellence scheme in the past, but we ramped that last summer, aligning it with the seven opportunities from the pioneering Creating Active Schools framework that was put together right here in Yorkshire a few years ago. Academy at St. James have been awarded the status for whole school practice and ethos due to prioritising physical activity as a way of driving whole school improvement and they've also been accredited for its work in physical education. Now this episode where we speak to Chris Tolson who is the head teacher and Niall O'Brien who is the PESPA and Forest School lead focuses on the whole school practice and ethos. Now, if you want to find out more about the Centre of Excellence scheme, including how your school may be able to apply for one of the seven different opportunities what, and what those opportunities are, plus the Creating Active Schools framework might be new to you, then go to yorkshiresport.org forward slash primary PE and all the information you want can be there. And if you've got any questions, then Alex Ogden's contact details there. Alex leads on our work supporting primary schools. Now, as with a lot of these episodes, we began by asking Chris, the head teacher, just to tell us a little bit about the school. We're in Bradford. Um, we've been about 300 pupils, uh, one and a half elementary primary school, part of a part of the Beda Academies Trust. Uh, I've been here since 2017 in January. School um, was in special measures at that point. Um, we got four goods with requires improvement for educa- quality of education overall in 2019. Um, and since that point, we've been well on the way to, to good and better. Um, so we've made some significant changes in that, that five years. Um, and we are really proud of the course of education that we're giving our children now. We're here to reflect on your Centre of Excellence status for um, whole school practice and ethos. If you or Do you reflect on a particular time, be it like a turning point or a milestone where you had a change of approach to perhaps the way P school sport and physical activity fitted into your school and if so, if so what was that? Yeah so um, I think to become a P centre of excellence or to become an excellence in anything you have to strive for um, um, to strive for excellence but you also have to have a plan and a long-term plan it's not something that's going to happen overnight so in um, July 2019 um, we had a change of, um, I suppose, leadership in the PE role at school. Um, and I recognised at that point, and also I think with s- some issues with um, sort of well-being of pupils and well-being of staff, that we need to significantly change our approach. So I re- recognised the importance of being to a CAS, um, create that school's framework meeting at about a similar time. Um, so that plus sort of changing our mindset really about how we were going to move PE and on all things physical activity forward, it appeared and, and was very obvious that we needed to change what we were doing. So um, I put a sort of job roll out for PE, forest schools and sort of play, all things play, um, because what we needed to do was shift the mindset of, of in, in and out of school around all those three areas, which... Later on, I, I you know, recognised my own mindset shift as a leader, as a head teacher, that you know we, we had to make sure that we were providing 
healthy children in order for them to learn in, in, a, in a healthy way. Um, so that 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 was a significant sort of um, game changing moment really for school. Um, that obviously that led up to um, the the recruitment of Niall starting in January, but then the pandemic hit and obviously had a huge impact on on that as well. So we were able to actually in effect use what was a very difficult situation to promote and develop our outside grounds, our outdoor spaces and the philosophy around PE and physical activity. Um, I think the second pivotal moment was probably the creation of active um, enrichment, which was sort of done on a piece of paper the size of half size of A4, really. We took enrichment and, and changed it to active enrichment. Uh, and that's also been a significant um, moment. So it's probably be, yeah, two, two, two pivotal moments, really. I think the first one was the sort of devising of the idea with Creative Tafton Schools framework and, and Nile. And the second one was the dev- devising of active enrichment, which enabled us to think about PA in a completely different way, really. You mentioned your, before we go into a bit more of the, the detail around what you did, you mentioned it was a, there was a mindset, mindset shift for you as a as a head teacher, as how do you reflect on on that, and perhaps what it was, and, and what it is now? Um, I think it was a case of using the research from um, from Jump, from Bowling Bradford, uh, from the, the health um, data around uh, at the moment, which is and has continued to be was very telling. So we looked at that. I got a better understanding of um, creative and science framework myself, and working with like minded people. I, you know, developed, changed my mindset. I was never, obviously, I've always enjoyed teaching PE. I've always enjoyed and um, and thought that physical activity is important for children. Um, I felt that at my previous school at Rycroft, for example. But I think that um, the understanding of the research behind why why that happened and then t- enabling that to happen with our, with our school development plan and our SEF and linking it to quality of education and using EEF and JUMP research enabled us to um, really shift uh, things across. It's in our behaviour policy now, so it really enabled things to to move pretty quickly. Uh, and Niall, just for anyone who's in, in the the Pesper world on Twitter, but I imagine a good number of them will know of you. But just give your your background, I guess, into coming into uh, the academy at St James. Yeah, so um, I'd previously been at Rycroft that Chris mentioned, not with Chris as, as he left. I must have just arrived, so. Uh, passing ships at that point but yeah um arrived at Rycroft in Bradford about 2016 I was there for about three years um we managed to use P physical activity in Forest School to sort of improve the reputation of the school alongside all the hard work that was already taking place uh, regarding the curriculum um it was really important to me that um P and physical activity was a significant sort of point um mentioned within the inspection um at Rycroft um and yeah then after after three years I saw the role that came up at the academy at St James and I was involved in uh, the, the the panel of 50 people um developing the creating active schools framework and obviously that aligned uh, quite nicely with what was going on with regards to joiners move and play in Bradford um and the role just seemed to you know be a perfect opportunity for me to kind of push on in, in sort of my realm. Um met with Chris via Twitter. Um we you know to and fro in a few conversations about, you know, what we could do potentially going forward and if I was the right person to to apply for the position. Um applied for the position and, you know, fortunately I got that. That was in goodness me, um that was January 
that was January 2020. So sort of arrived in post then and then quite swiftly, like Chris mentioned, the pandemic hit. Um, but I would say even then, um, the wheels, so to speak, were already in motion in terms of our, our plans going forward. Uh, Chris, when we look at what's changed then in terms of um, the background, I'm looking at the presentation that you very kindly provided us with. And we looked at policy, I guess, first of all. Um, you mentioned that the whole school ethos and values matched to your core values and the five ways of well-being. Was that by, I say, happy coincidence? Or did you have to do some work around sort of reshaping what the school values were? Yeah, so we reshaped the five ways of being uh, sort of, um, we had stick core values, but they were just words, really. So we then tried to make those words a little bit more real. Um, so we had our five ways of being which linked to it. So it was show you care, always be yourself, be a confident communicator, contribute to your community and be a knowledgeable and expert learner. So those five things dovetail really nicely with our core values of peace, community, forgiveness, trust, courage and community. Um, so those sort of things really supported what we were doing in terms of our whole school policies for um, PA and MPE those things fit really nicely don't they so if you become an expert learner in how to look after your body or how to understand how your body works you care for your body in a different way because you understand why it's important um, you recognise the importance of people being different um, because that's important too in terms of developing a, a whole school approach to physical literacy or fundamental movement in early years um, now I'll be proud of me on that one um, so and then um, we've also got obviously our confident communicators so they can talk about what they're doing uh, and fundamentally that's really important isn't it the children can actually articulate why it's important and that's been a big focus for us over the last sort of two years really I don't know it's in, in terms of policy again you you mentioned you have behaviour policies and you created a policy for PE and physical activity. Is that something you both worked on together? How much of that is bringing in also the the other staff or at least presenting it to them? Because everyone loves a good policy to read through, don't they? But um, how did you go about formulating that and um, what impact have you seen of some of these policy work that you've done in terms of perhaps behaviour or attainment? Uh, well, I think in terms of behaviour, the behaviour policy, uh, we, we have a, um, a number of significant sort of SEMH high needs children so they get access to some of the support through forest schools and other things we, we because we are providing them an opportunity to be physically active more often we, we've seen a, a decline in sort of low level incidents um, we we acknowledge that um, there are uh, other incidents that happen in schools because they always do we feel like the offer we've got very much supports them to make the best of, of the opportunities there. Um, and in terms of behaviour, you know, there's, there's, there's a section in the behaviour policy which I've just tweaked actually that says about physical activity and why it's important and, and why it's important for behaviour. So it's in there for people to understand it and see. Um, in terms of the other policy, I mean, now I can kind of cover some of that, but we've really made wanted to make sure that all the staff understand that it's more than PE. Um, it's it's a much wider remit and everyone's got responsibility to um, take that seriously and, and live it out in the day-to-day working of the school. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to the sort of the, the teachers in particular but a little bit later on. But what about the impact of that then? What have you seen from what you've done? It And it hasn't been a, 
uh, to use the cliche, a normal two years with everything that's, that's been going on. But even with all that's that's happened, what impact have you seen from some of these, the policies that you put in place um, around again attainment? I know it's looking again, looking through the the presentation Friday, as you said, the number of behaviour incidents reduced and impact on pupils' attainment increased. Um, how reassuring or rewarding is it to, to see that when you put something new in place to actually see the impact, both for your own um, peace of mind and also selling it to, to others, if you like? Yeah, I mean, I think there are some different ways of looking at success, aren't there? I mean, our reading data for example last year was no published tests and uh, we came out with 75 percent which put us in nearly in the top five percent of the country according to fft which is how the how data was measured last year and that's from a starting point of 33 percent so those children over the four years have you know done remarkably well in reading so that you know that tells us that our approach is it's not hindered the approach and it's it's supported that approach so so that's that's sort of anecdotally, and our, our combined for Key Stage 2 was above 60, 65%, which was a national average for the first time. Um, so we, we know that it's working. I think there's also the successes sort of more, um, you can't measure it with a percentage, but you can measure it with um, what the children are doing and how they're talking about their subjects and how they're engaging with it. Um, and I think that that's also as important as your percentages because sometimes you can't measure everything can you so sometimes it's about and um, what the children uh, look like and how they're talking and how they're, how they're getting access to that curriculum i think active enrichment is a is a success in terms of the children talk about it and they want it to happen they look forward to it um and it's something that they they get to experience something different whether that's jujitsu archery um fencing or the use of a climbing wall on friday there were some children who went down to the to sort of the, our nature reserve and were pond dipping and looking for insects you know that that that's all about that holistic how i feel about myself you don't have to rate it from one to ten do you just know because you can see it in their eyes you could by tell by listening to then there's there's yes there's obviously the successes of the of in, in reading out of maths um which we're really pleased with but i think there's also the successes which now talks a lot about in his work about pupils um holistic approach and, and the way that they become more physically competent but also become more confident in themselves um and our, and our first course program as a result of that you know now assesses for schools and he was showing me the assessment last week you know and it's all about that sort of how you look after yourself and how you improve in different areas um physically cognitively and, and socially so i think all those are as, as important as we got 75 percent in reading I'm, I'm delighted it's very important but um, it's also important that those children are happy because happy children learn better and that's what we've learned. Absolutely. Um, Niall, and we, uh, Chris touched on active enrichment then and I was again looking through the, you have a dedicated one hour of physical activity every Friday preceded by memory and, and retrieval work. Is that your active enrichment or is that sort of something uh, that sits alongside it? And just talk us through those, those if they are two separate entities, if you like, active enrichment and that one hour on a Friday. Talk us through what you've put in place for, for those things and what changes you've seen uh, on like on, on, as Chris has mentioned there beyond the data I think for me it was a bit of a bit of a shrewd move we knew that it was a challenge we knew that we might be asked questions about it I'm thinking in terms of in terms of our trust um, but yeah I just I've got a really kind of strong approach to physical activity in the sense of providing positive early experiences and I and I use that phrase fairly rarely. <laughs> 
Um, while you know, National is a school games program, which I will always advocate. I always always found it a real challenge uh, to you know make sure every child gets those positive early experiences around physical activity, around sport. So we were trying to look at a model in terms of introducing something that was a whole school approach uh, that provided multiple opportunities. Um, and when I arrived, we had um, Golden Time, which is something that regularly takes place in schools up and down the country. Um, Friday afternoon, a little bit of downtime. And, and Chris and I sort of looked at the data from Jonah's move and play from born in Bradford. And we knew that physical activity was a huge part of our agenda. And it just seemed to make sense. We thought, you know, why not offer different opportunities on a Friday afternoon? Um, we've, we've gone from year one to year six and uh, we developed sort of as many low-cost, no-cost opportunities as possible. Obviously, we were fortunate enough to receive funding from Joiners Move Play, which has essentially um, allowed us to invest in bikes and scooters. Um, we bought our climbing wall from that. But we've got a real sort of, how do I describe it, an eclectic array of opportunities um, on a Friday. Some of that is traditional sport. Some of it's non-traditional. Some of it's just uh, activities that allow children to be moderately to vigorously physically active um, and we also you know ha have a, a strong passion for outdoor learning so that forms part of active enrichment as well so while we've got our sporting activities um, we've got our non-traditional stuff we also offer um, time spent out in nature so we feel like we've got a really you know a really important balance there and again I think touching on the creating active schools framework in terms of environments we were thinking about how we use our site and I know that Mr. Tolson talks about this a lot in uh, various sort of uh, in, in various sort of gatherings and, and meetings with organisations. We've got a huge, huge space, and it can be quite intimidating to think, right? How do we utilise this? How do we provide, you know, positive uh, experiences for children um, using our school field, using our forest school space, using the, our reclaimed uh, car park, using our classrooms and corridors. So again, we've thought very carefully about how we utilise the school environment and we are using um, a lot of space in and around school uh, to provide these opportunities and these opportunities are, are continuing to grow. And what has the impact been then of, of that? You've led nicely into that bit about the environments. What are some of the things you've done? Again, I recall to reference your, your Twitter profile, I think it was at some point during lockdown where you're out building like a, a bike track or something in and around the school. Uh yeah, not in, not in the school. That would be that would be quite a creative use of space. But you, <laughs> yeah. So um, I think, yeah, my, I, my, I, um, I got my dad in. Uh, he's, he, I've since retired him from uh, from, from it. But uh, yeah, we we decided that we'd use a real small portion of our uh, jump funding to develop a, what's described as a, a pump track or a small bike track, and it was initially designed to support early years to use their balance bikes. But as active enrichment evolved, we found that, you know, children from year one all the way through to year six were able to access uh, the bike track. It's only small, but um, it's it's effective. And in terms of what it costs, you know, it's already kind of, I'd say it's already earned it, it, its money for sure. Um, other things to sort of talk about in terms of impact, we we spent a little bit of funding from the Payne Sports Premium, again, a little bit from uh, the jump funding. And we also connected with an organisation uh, um, called Nature Friendly Schools, which is part of the Wildlife Trust. The project's finished now, unfortunately, but we're able to access a touch of funding uh, and lots and lots of CPD support. So that was sort of, I'd say that was the catalyst to developing our outdoor space. So we had a gate installed on our 
school fence, which sounds kind of boring, but that allowed us to directly access the green space beyond the school grounds so we can go down to the Beck and the wetland. Supports our forest school programme hugely, uh, as well as active enrichment, and also it will allow classes to um, take learning beyond the classroom in terms of linking to the wider curriculum, such as geography and science. Um, we had a parent volunteer who recognised sort of our passion for outdoor learning, and he, he offered his services to build us the most spectacular outdoor classroom, which again is used weekly um, for our forest school programme and our active enrichment programme. Um, we've also built a, um, a temporary fire pit shelter, which, again, it's just a beautiful space that we can take our children down. We can have fires we cook um, and the sh- children are protected from the elements under the fire pit shelter. We've got a natural uh, a natural den building area. Um, we've got, it just sounds like I'm just going on about what we've got. It's been a long time to, to develop all, but, yeah, we've got the bird hide as well. So in terms of our... P curriculum offer and our active enrichment offer alongside our outdoor learning opportunities and resources we're we're really proud of uh, what we've achieved in the last two years for more information on how we can support you go to yorkshiresport.org forward slash primary p of all those things you've touched on and perhaps some that you have, you might, one that you one or two you might not have a chance to mention in that when you're going through it there we think about what how other schools may be able to take what some of what you've done and you've referenced um funding from various places but everyone gets the PE premium um you know it does not always that if they're not schools listening to this who aren't in Bradford or not in the area that uh, jump serves but what are you what would be the one sort of practical Thing you've done or that's had the biggest impact that you'd want to share with other schools so this was you know this was quite simple whether it was a small amount of funding for the premium or no funding but we have still seen a, a big impact from that is there anything in particular that you would reflect on as to, to share with other schools they might be able to take from what you've done i was just saying i think the active enrichment um has been a very cost effective and simple way of, of doing things it's not been it's not cost a lot of money um there's a lot of activities in there that are quite um easy to run uh and the philosophy behind it has made it a, a really good end to the week so it's so helps children helps um staff um and it enables us to finish the week on a, on a really good note in terms of emotional well-being so i, I would say that's certainly something that's and um, the staff and the children look forward to every friday um but that's that's i think that's been very um simple but effective in terms of um, school management from a head teacher's point of view it's been a, a, a quite a simple transition into into making sure that that's how the week ends for everybody but now now we'll probably have other examples too so yeah i've probably got two can i squeeze two in? go on then. Is that... go on then yeah. yeah so i reckon i've, I've touched on um forest school but i mean i, I speak with Mr. Tolson about our forest school groups weekly. We, we've got a huge commitment to our most vulnerable children. Um, we started to look at the social, emotional, mental health assessment framework that we that we came across and sort of tailored it a little bit. But for me, particularly in terms of the pandemic, being able to support those children directly that, that need it, um, working alongside staff, teaching staff, uh, the SENCO, the deputy head, to look at identifying those children and when we actually sit down and, and look at what we're providing for those children, we know, and that, as I say, uh, Mr. Tolson has referenced it earlier, sometimes you don't need to look at that assessment framework. Sometimes you just see the children out in our natural space 
and how comfortable they are and how much they're developing socially and emotionally. And I think that's been something for me that sort of, in my time at Academy at St. James, I would say really stands out as something that's, you know, incredibly powerful. Obviously, we want every child to access the outdoor space, but we've been strategic in the children that we identify. And I, I have no doubt that when the time comes and I have to justify why those children are out of the classroom, I, I do believe genuinely that I can justify it. Um, the second one, um, and again, this is linked link strongly to our work with creating active schools. Um, we have a dedicated um, 45 minutes to an hour uh, with our very youngest pupils in terms of uh, physical development. So we have a, a fundamental movement skills program that is um, tailored directly to support gross motor development in the early years. We started off um, with an hour of week, uh, sorry, it was 40, 40 minutes a week um, for our reception class, but we decided to develop that and we've now got our nursery and our two-year-olds that are able to take part in that, that sort of programme. Um, one thing I'm really proud of in that respect, uh, we've been able to develop a, a, a toolkit that hopefully we're going to share with any interested schools in the community or, or, or wider across the district in terms of introducing a similar approach to support and fundamental movement in the early years. So I think that sort of element of our practice in early years, supporting the children, our very youngest children to be physically competent and enjoy those positive early experiences alongside supporting our most vulnerable children with our forest school offer is, uh, I'd say, that sort of the foundations of, of, of what we're, we're trying to achieve at Academy at St. James. When we talk about whole school practice and ethos, which we are, uh, it obviously goes beyond uh, your PE lead and a passionate head teacher. There's there's lots of other people to bring on board. People who may we talk about this quite frequently actually on, on the on the primary PE podcast episodes that we do. That there may be people who've had a negative experience of PE or sport, whatever it might be, be that through school or or afterwards in secondary school or in as an adult life. And sometimes getting those people to be on board with something like this um, can be quite difficult. So how, first of all, did you approach that, Chris and, and Niall? And what are some of the things that you, the, the practical things you put in place, like looking at, um, you know, I know you've got staff doing one hour of physical activity every week is one of those practical things. But initially, how do you get people to, to get on board with what you were trying to do? Um, well, I found it from a, from my angle, it was, um, I think we wrote it in the school development plan. So it's part of our quality of education um, sort of um, measures. So we're looking at, you know, we're giving the children a good education in every single subject. So it's like we've got we've got someone teaching DT, the second DT teacher. Um, you know, it's important that every subject gets the quality that it deserves and the children deserve the best teaching possible. So, um so we wanted a broad and balanced curriculum. So we decided that it was important that everybody understood what broad and balanced and what high quality looks like in every single subject. And PE is no different. Um, but within that umbrella as well, <laughs> it's on my it's on my office. You've well. preempted one of my fi- my questions towards the end. I was going to bring. Don't worry, I haven't forgotten the umbrella. <laughs> we'll come to the yeah, umbrella. So, so, um, so within that remit, obviously, we need to look at well, what does high quality physical education look like, um, rather than just people seeing PE as a lesson. It's, it's, it's an entitlement, but it's also an education, isn't it? So we've looked at uh, things that sort of in this entirety. So um, we looked at, well, what what, what does it mean? Um, what falls under that um, definition of, of physical education? So, and that included all play, um, all types of physical activity, our out of school 
work, our green spaces, our high quality PE lesson. And we started with high quality PE, you know, how and how do we deliver high quality PE once once we but we're delivering high quality PE and we can look at well, okay, what how can we deliver high quality PE? Um and I think um we made very good use of the time in lockdown. So we made um very good use of having some time to think and produce and deliver high quality documents and do some research and look at what was on offer to make the most of it. Um, SLT will obviously were very much part of that process. Um, now did a presentation to staff um, to get them to buy in, to understand why it's important, some of the hard hitting facts. Um, and then, you know, we also monitored it and made sure that people did sign up and did get out on time and did make sure they were there. And if they didn't, and we'd have a conversation as to why not and what happened and can we help. Um, so, you know, it's, it's that monitoring evaluation cycle to ensure that, it, you know, it is, it is done properly and that people understand it's important and it isn't, you know, a Friday afternoon while we're finishing like this. Actually, it's a Friday afternoon. It's important for the children that we finish like this because of these reasons. Um, so I think from top to bottom, it was very much a, um, a joint approach in terms of getting everybody to understand the significance of why it's important and, and fundamentally these are experiences there are 12 to 15 opportunities for children whether that be going to the beck or doing nature photography or trying out jujitsu or using the climbing wall or you know doing pom-pom cheering to music you know or whatever it might be everybody child has an has the opportunity to, to, to tackle those experiences in, in, a, in a really um engaging way you know and they'll be better for it because of those experiences i think that was the sort of approach to ensure it it works um that's from my point of view as a head teacher now i might have other things to jump in there with as well um from his point of view because he was sort of on the, more operational on the ground yeah so like like uh mr tolson referenced there um it was important to me to to get those kind of hard-hitting facts across because you know it's easy for me on the front line working with organizations such as yorkshire sport Joiners move and play, uh, born in Bradford. I I know the data. Um, well, I say I know it. I, I, I ought to know it. And I thought, you know, we're introducing something that could potentially be seen as a, as a bolt on, you know. And I, I'm constantly referring to uh, teacher workload, and I wanted to make sure that whatever we're trying to introduce doesn't um, give the teachers even more work. Um, and then at the same time, I'm thinking, right, how do I make sure that I I put together a program that's going to provide as many positive experiences for the children, but be as easy to resource and manage as possible for teachers. So off the back of that, as somebody who's sort of responsible for physical education school, and I, I teach the PE currently. The plan was for me to teach PE and then obviously combine and work with a class teacher. But in terms of the pandemic, that made it a little bit of a challenge. So again, we found that active enrichment was an opportunity to ensure that staff are not disconnected from physical education. It might not be a more formal lesson that's kind of progressive with the learning intention, um, but it is still giving the, the class teacher that chance to be with a group of 20, 25 children and be able to organise and manage some purposeful physical activity. So in that sense, it was sort of, I'd say, some CPP in the sense of, you know, it was more informal, but still allowing uh, staff not to be completely removed from physical education, so to speak. Um, sharing the, the data from born in Bradford, which is, you know, it's a hu huge concern. I've got it in front of me now. I, uh, I looked at some uh, information from neighbourhood statistics and our 
our neighbourhood is in the top 10% most deprived neighbourhoods in, in England for barriers to housing, education, health. So, you know, to, to sort of give the teaching staff that broader picture of how we can sort of take a little bit more responsibility, I think that was really powerful too. I mean, the the data uh, from Brown and Bradford regarding, you know, the situation in terms of where children are leaving primary school, we've got over 77% of children in year six are leaving us. They're either obese or, or, or over, clinically overweight. You know, that's a really sort of stark statistic that's that, that allowed me to kind of hit home the situation that we're in and obviously people talk about schools not being the silver bullet absolutely we shouldn't be held responsible to it all but still you know we have children for a significant proportion of their week and I think if we can dedicate an hour to the health and well-being of our children it's the least that we can do. In terms of what you've done with staff what's been uh, the the biggest success what's been most well received do you think when, when you reflect on on the things you've done again looking at practical examples here to perhaps share with with other schools and, and what's kind of gone yeah that's been a really good success and staff have bought into that and that's been a, a, well, we call it a quick win but uh that and then I, I guess on the flip side of that is there anything that you've done that staff have either sort of gone no actually that's just that's not going to work and you've either had to tweak your thinking or perhaps scrap it all together just as a and each school will think, be different but how do you reflect on those two my my view would be I think the they've they've appreciated and learned about what high quality PE looks like. I mean, I've seen PE taught differently to traditionally delivered. Um, I think the, a lot of the sort of comments from staff were quite they were quite surprised about about the approach to teaching PE in a completely different way, which I think has been great. Um, I think they understand and have enjoyed physical activity because it means that. The children can, we have a memory retrieval session straight after lunch. So they get to review the week and then they get to go out and try something new, have a new experience. That's, I think that's been very well received and, and thought out. Um, and I think um, the opportunity for their children to have access to the outdoors um, and the growth of our, our sort of outdoor area and outdoor grounds has been something that they've particularly enjoyed loose parts play for example um i think in terms of next steps i think i think it would be fair to say that um the staff have mixed confidence about using that space themselves um so they go out there with nile or they go out there with some staff but some staff feel less confident and i think that we are about to try and look at active breaks and act active working classrooms um that'll need some careful dissecting just to make sure that they have a good understanding of why we're doing it and for what reason but those are just two next steps that we're on the presentation to cast so it's, it's we know what they are we know we need to do them um so they're, 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 that, that'll be my three for two sort of uh offer i think <laughs> it's every three great things and two things that we are no no, no no one's ever come forward and said no 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 we're not doing that um I think we've had conversations about how we fit it in. Time, time's always a big thing, isn't it, in primary schools because you've got to fit 12 subjects in. Um, but also, you know, my counter-argument as well, you know, you don't have to fit this in because it's been taught for you. So, um, but also I think of a Friday, it keeps them in the loop. So it keeps them having to engage in physical activity themselves as a teacher. So they're not at a stage where they, they, they don't ever teach any physical activity, which I think is very important in terms of staff development and staff. Um, confidence and pedagogy 
Yeah, just to add to that as well, um, something that's sort of come to the forefront of my thinking lately, because occasionally um, with my work with Cass, I, I might not be in on a Friday afternoon, but slowly and surely I've uh, I've seen lots of kind of celebrations, whether that be Class Dojo, obviously where we're, we're, we're on, on Twitter pretty much every day, but um, yeah, seeing staff celebrate active enrichment or using our outdoor space, whether that be on Dojo or on Twitter or just verbally, that's been really powerful to me. Um, I want to just share something, if that's okay. I got um, an email, I think this was late, late on Saturday night from one of our teachers. I won't name anybody. Um, but yeah, this, uh, this, this message was from one of our teachers uh, regarding using our outdoor learning space during enrichment. I just wanted to say thank you for the outdoor learning kit bags on Friday. We had the most amazing time exploring for mini beasts. You might have heard said child squealing with excitement and fear as he found, in quotes, something massive that can nip you. We think it was an earwig. It was just lovely to see our class working as a team and enjoying being out together. It was the best active enrichment ever. And I wasn't even in the building, so to know that you know, staff are having those experiences and children are having those experiences from something that we've uh, we, we've developed is really, really sort of uh, potent and powerful to me. People listening to this might be at different stages of aspiring to have a something like you've got in your school. I know you want to develop that and we'll, we'll come on to that just before we, we finish. But now from your perspective, if there's a, a peer leader or a peer teacher listening to this and thinking, yes, I want to be doing something like this in my school. I'd love us to have be getting recognition for having a whole school practicing ethos. In those initial stages, what are some of the tips you would want to pass on to them to, to get things moving? Because, again, it's not been an overnight thing, but in the early days, what are some of the practical things you'd, you'd point them towards? Yeah, I think, and this is not to plug Yorkshire Sport Foundation, but I think the the heart of everything that I've ever tried to develop has been born from looking at the P and Sports Premium uh, document, looking at the key indicators, and really sort of drilling down into what's going to have the most impact in school. Um, there's a huge community of uh, physical education leaders, teachers, um, you know, on, on Twitter, the social media channels, and you know. While there's obviously difficult debates at time, I think that's kind of outweighed by the real positive work going on across the country. So I'd certainly be looking to engage in those communities uh, online. In terms of schools wanting to introduce something similar or, you know, even if it's occasional to the work that we're doing, you know, I've worked with a number of schools recently. We've shown them around on a Friday afternoon. Uh, we did it this, this, uh, last week, just gone. Um, we are going to be hosting sort of open afternoons, if you like, for schools to come and visit and see active enrichment um, in the flesh, if you like, um, and, and just sharing sort of our experiences, our challenges around how we've developed that and obviously challenges going forward. So, you know, we, we will certainly be welcoming schools to come and visit. Um, we've also been involved in, as mentioned earlier, uh, writing some toolkits to support schools to, to introduce similar sort of uh, approaches whether that be the work on physical development, outdoor learning or, or active enrichment, as we've been talking about quite a lot. So they would be sort of my go to um, examples. If P leads are thinking, right, I want to get I want my school to get to this position 
um, what are the first things that you'd look to be doing? I guess for, first of all, I'm going to ask you about senior leaders. What would be the things that if a senior leaders listen to this go in and they might have picked up on some of it I mean, earlier on, but starting yeah. blocks, if you like, or building blocks? The first thing to remember is I think this comes out of a love for children, doesn't it? So, you know, it comes out of what is right for kids um, and what the children need. And if we were to ignore the compelling and very worrying data around pupils um, and their current obesity rates and the lack of um, exercise and how that impacts on mental health, it's it's as concerning as pupils not being able to read, isn't it? If you look at the, the stats around reading and children not being able to read by a certain age, life opportunities are are minimal. Um, so I think that's what I would start with. Um, because I think that just gives you the, the remit to, to, to make changes to your curriculum, to your way of working as a school. Um, that's what we certainly did. Um, I think once you've got that information present, um, I think then you share that with your team and you say, right, OK, um, this is the, the, the information we've got. It's, it's, it's factually correct. What do we need to do to, in our school to make changes for the better for those children um and i think once you get that bit right that's the why isn't it i think uh, simon sinek he's got his why circle i think he calls it and once we know the why why we're doing it then everything else falls into place I and mean, there's, there's a quote that says i think where there is no vision the people perish um which is a quote i've um quite like really because fundamentally it's it's about you know getting the, the why bit uh, and getting those people to understand why we're doing something why it's important and once that was done, then everything else fell into place from it because and my second thing would be around learning. So as a leader, you know, being really open to getting it wrong and making mistakes and challenging your own thinking around why things are important. Um, because ultimately that's that's also very important. You know, it's never never finished. Um, and ultimately, if we can get it right for the kids at school and we know that the, the data tells us X, Y and Z and it did. And we can make decisions based on that to support the pupils in, in, in the short, medium and long term. Um, and finally, I think supporting those people through that change, um, because obviously when we first started it, people were quite rightly, is it right? And it, and I firmly believe 99.9% of people want to get it right, don't they? No, nobody wants to get something wrong or make a mistake. Or and if we can support them through a change like this, and ultimately um, that's our, our job, isn't it, to help them when we have to put changes in for the benefit of the kids. And that change can take time. It can take um, lots of conversations, lots of modelling, lots of talking, lots of um, going back to, to why we're doing it. Um, and that's something we've done a lot in terms of SLT or conversation in the corridor or now knows I'm constantly talking to him in the corridor about all sorts of stuff around curriculum. I think uh, I heard someone say the other week, you know, if, if we're not talking about curriculum, then, then you know, what what are we doing? Because ultimately that is what it's about, isn't it? It's about getting the curriculum. And that's the curriculum in its widest possible sense, safeguarding, um, all the things that, that school lives lives on is, is how to create a great curriculum. And, you know, um, we took that data, supported our staff through the changes we put in place to make sure that we could create the best curriculum possible and the best diet possible for the children in school. Um, and, you know, we're very proud of the results so far. Um, not finished, but we know that there's still some way to go. I'll finish then just because it's a nice way to throw forward to whenever we might come back and talk about this again. But where do you, and Chris, I know you've mentioned a couple of things and Niall, that no doubt during this as well, of, of what you want to do next. Is there either, what is next on the 
the tick list, if you like, or the to-do list in terms of, it seems it's not a to-do list to have a whole school practice, is it? But what, what are your next aspirations for, for moving this on and continuing with all the fantastic work you've done over the last few years? Um, I mean, I'll come, I'll come operationally now. So I'll come from a hedging point of view now, Jumpson, because I know he's got some tick lists. Um, so I think from my point of view, it's continuing the work we're doing. It's opening our doors to other people to come and see what we're doing. It's refreshing and reinventing some of the, the things that we're doing already. Maintaining a high quality peak curriculum is really important because that gives you bread and butter. It's, it's what it's all about. And then also developing our active breaks and looking at how we can work um, a, a little bit closer with um, our, support, our teachers to develop their pedagogy around the teaching of PE through through PA. Um, but that's something that's on our own plan we, we know it we know we need to do it um and ultimately you know i think we we've got sort of a good consensus around what needs to happen next but that so that's that's on my development plan you know it's it quite well and and now I've, I've sort of more operational things about on the ground how that's going to work yeah i think um yeah obviously originally it was to support teachers to make sure that they're getting the uh, the, the, the the practical sort of aspects of PE in terms of their development that that'll that'll certainly sort of start to take shape I would imagine in September but we are probably going to be expecting um, some visitors at some point during the future and I really I'm really desperate to to celebrate what we're trying to achieve and, and not once would I say that we're the absolute best and you know we've uh, we've got the best model but you know I think the two years, the two and a half years that have, have passed by since, since joining, I think, you know, we've introduced a lot. We've developed a lot. Um, yeah, there's been challenges. It's not all been sort of simple, plain sailing. But, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to to that inspection and really sort of sharing what we've done as a, as a school staff team. Um, and then also, I think um, our wider um, our wider responsibility is to share best practice with, with schools in the community or across the district and hopefully we'll be able to do that with uh, the creating active schools work we know that there's at least at the moment there's about 22 or 23 schools that are interested in our approaches and um, we're in early conversations with supporting those schools so you know if we can in, increase the the levels of physical activity even on a small scale I, I think you know it's something that we've got to do as a school because we're passionate about it and we think we can make a difference beyond just our school community yeah and i think that's a really important part now's made there i think um i think it's really important to we're a community school we want to do the best for our community and communities so it's plural really it's not just about the children who come to this school it's about children throughout the country and that's why it's great to be part of great having schools framework but also it's really important to, to stay to sort of seeing the leaders listening out there or anybody listening obviously we do we do it for we're doing it to enable children to have a great curriculum and we have you know we have got someone coming back to, to come coming to look at it but that's not the reason why we're doing it we, we've been doing it for three years um we're doing it because it's the right thing to do and it's the right curriculum for the children and that's always been sort of Niall's philosophy, my philosophy, the umbrella that we talked about. We've ticked off most of it on. Just we've, we've actually done we, most of that we, on after, now. After all that, we, um, we didn't actually talk about the umbrella. Do you want to just yeah. touch on You referenced it twice. I said we'll come back to it, and I haven't. So go on. Finish us with, yeah, finish us with the umbrella. So the, the, when, when we were interviewed uh, here, um, Niall put forward his vision for the school. Um, 
and actually that vision included um, parental engagement, physical activity, forest schools, um, centre of excellence status and national curriculum PE um, and we have gone through all those and achieved them and I think we've done those for the children and the community that we serve so actually in terms of quality of education we know we're providing a really great quality education in that subject and in its most widest possible sense um, and actually um, you know the Centre of Excellence Status recognises that but also the work with Nature Friendly Schools so we, we won the Bradford Schools Active Award on, on Thursday um, all that is Yes, it's great recognition, um, and it's something that we, you know, we're, we're delighted for and delighted for the school and its wider partners. But also, it's just what we do. It's important that children get the best possible teaching and, and, and support in school. And, and when you start with that, everything else happens. Um, so once you start with the why and why it's important, then everything else comes because of it. And you know, I think that's a very important part for me in terms of sustainability. Because if if it was if we were doing it for other reasons, it's not sustainable, is it? And, and ultimately, the model would fall and then we'd have a, a, a different kind of model. But actually, the model we wanted three years ago, which we come back to the start of, the, start of it, really, was we wanted that model and, and Niall's vision and work on all those. I'm literally looking at it now. I'm literally, I could, put a, I could put a green through it all because we've literally you know, ticked off all of it that was, was on his list. So I think that is very important in terms of having a vision, enacting that vision, making it work um, and, you know, providing the best quality education you can for the children in your school, which, you know, we, we, we are doing our very best every day to, to make that happen. Thank you to Niall and Chris for their time in joining us on the YSF podcast. Now, the podcast is not the only way in which they will be sharing what they have done with primary schools across the two counties. There will be a webinar where you'll have the opportunity to hear from both Chris and Niall and put your own questions to them. We'll go into a little bit more detail about what they've done, how they've done it. And as I say, take any questions that you have. And that is something that we'll be doing with all the schools who achieve Centre of Excellence status. There'll be a podcast with them and there will also be a webinar which goes along with that. So again, go to yorkshiresport.org forward slash primary PE. You'll find the dates on there. You'll be able to book your places. And we look forward to you joining us. And we look forward to you joining us again soon on the YSF podcast. Thank you for listening to the YSF podcast.